0: everyone. Thank you for joining our webinar yesterday. By our, I mean Lawrence Seidel Baker and myself, Alan Bolio. We hope you enjoyed it. And I'll tell you, we were talking about the questions after and how much we appreciated them and the questions that were asked. Good stuff. And thank you uh, for sending them in. And now we're going to answer the, the ones that we didn't get to yesterday. So the first one happens to be about cryptocurrency. And the question is what do we expect to happen with the cryptocurrency gaining support? Rob, uh, that's a question that we ask ourselves around here a lot. And uh, I'm not sure that Lauren and I have the same perspective or not. So let's start with Lauren and see what her perspective is on that. And then I'll say, I agree or wait a minute, one or the other.
1: Perfect. I will admit, I'm a very bad millennial. I was a late adopter to cryptocurrency. I, I only opened an account probably a couple months ago. And I think it's fun. It's very interesting. There are a lot of uh, amazing applications for blockchain technology. I'm just not sure cryptocurrency is the most interesting. I think blockchain itself has some amazing potential applications. Cryptocurrency seems to me to be a fun one. So I have a very, very small amount of money invested kind of as a what if, let's see what happens. Um, But I don't consider crypto a serious investment strategy. Um, really, for me, it's more a a way to see what's going on, um stay interested, but that's not my retirement account.
0: Uh, well, I certainly <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I' would to be worried about you, especially given your your financial background. Uh, you know lauren is 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 right on track. I just happen to be of a, of a age group where, well, for me, maybe it's not even age, but for me, I, when I would, don't even want to dabble in it for the same reason I don't go put money on roulette wheels and full uh, handles on slot machines. It just seems like it's a gamble, and because it's not settled yet, it's not where there's enough structure there for me. But I certainly agree with you, Lauren, 100%, that blockchain technology's got a long run ahead of it and a long life. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where it goes from here. All right, second question. Um, Lauren, why don't you uh, I'll read it, and then I'll answer, then you follow up this time. we'll swap. What is the biggest threat that you foresee in the short term for consumers in overall economic health? Oscar asked that one. And um, it made me stop and think of that one. I don't get asked that every day. I'm not sure that uh, you know any of us really do. The biggest threat is the hardest part because you put biggest to it. I think one of the biggest threats to uh, consumers through the short term, uh, is that they will uh, buy into the iras- what I consider to be irrational exuberance in the stock market, and uh, and, and they will bid that up so high that there'll be uh, some sort of correction, and that correction will negatively impact them, which has a negative impact on spending, which has a negative impact on the economy, and that can happen in the pretty short term. Now, having said that, we don't think that's going to happen because of our ITR financial lead indicator, because of the optimizer, but. It is a risk out there, it is a threat that uh, folks will straight-line forecast, get overly enthused, and overextend. Uh, Over to you, Lauren.
1: I absolutely agree that that is the biggest threat in the short term, but I I almost take issue with this question. It seems to me that there's no threat, again, in the short term. I I do want to be very clear that I'm I'm talking a, a very short outlook here. Any threat is not very large, so I, I might call it the, the mediumist threat that just happens to be bigger than all of the small ones. I really want to put this in perspective. The consumer is strong right now. Consumer health is is very, very strong, so there's definitely more good news. I don't want to be too um, worried about the consumer.
0: That was a very clever way to put that. I'm glad you did. Thanks. Want to take the next one for us? Great. I'll
1: take the next question. Uh, what is the forecast for medical products? and um, I would actually suggest, uh, this one was from Randy, please take a look at our trends report. We have an offer. You can get a free month of, uh, of the trends report subscription. And one of the key indicators that we are forecasting for the next three years is US medical equipment and supplies production. So I would encourage you to write down that term, um, give it a search. Currently, this sector is recovering. So still below the year ago level, but headed in the right direction. Um, and, and we do have a, a pretty good outlook for that trend to continue, cyclical rise to continue into 2022. Um, I, I will note the three-month moving average is uh, currently at the highest level that it's been in the past, I think it's 57 months. So um, good news from, the, from this sector, certainly more good news to come before we get a, a bit of a slowdown, as we will with many sectors in 2022. But for more specifics, please do check out Trends Report. There is a lot more detail there.
0: Right. And John asked, is there a risk of product availability uh, slowing down the building cycle? No, I don't think that will be the issue because supply is catching up. Lumber or sawmills are, are catching up. Resin production uh, is, in, is increasing as the demand uh, rapid rise begins to ease for other natural reasons. So I don't think you're going to find that the product availability is going to cause this major disruption or a significant deflection uh it's going to be other causes that just naturally slow down housing as we go forward for instance all the liquidity that was pumped in and people being able to use lots of money to go into the housing or into remodeling uh that's just going to be slowly dissipating and as it does so things settle down into a more normal rhythm uh, as you know uh john i'm sure lumber prices have uh, gone through quite a correction of late likely to be a precursor of things to come all right lauren number five is on you
1: Next question also from John. I'm not sure this is uh, the same John or not, but it is also about construction asking for the macro forecast for the woodworking segment of residential and non-residential commercial. Um, I, I should make a, a critical distinction. I really can't cover both res residential and non-res in one sentence because those two sectors are moving a bit differently right now. We haven't found the trough of the commercial uh, construction segment quite yet. Whereas residential, on the other hand, is just off to the races, accelerating growth trend with with more rise to come. So um, I I will note to you, again, please look at uh, trends report. There is a much more detailed breakdown of these trends, but if we're just looking from a high level view on on resi versus non-res, there's about a two year lead time between those two in the typical business cycle alignment. And so the good news is, John, if you are in both sectors, at the point that Alan was just talking about residential starting to slow down a bit, starting to see that growth taper off, that's when non-residential should be coming back with a vengeance. So as long as you're willing to tack as those winds are shifting, I think you will still find great opportunity here into the near to medium term.
0: Excellent. And Lauren mentioned the trends report again. I wanna add to that. Uh, we, We have on demand now, which means it used to be a monthly publication, and now you get it as the data becomes available. You go to our website when you subscribe, and, and it's there. We have an app for your phone or for your tablets that you can get it right where, wherever you are, when you are in the middle of the meeting, whatever it happens to be. Uh, there, and there's a lot more uh, about construction than you actually inquired about, so take a look uh, at the website. I think uh, you will be pleased with the ease of access and what you can access.
1: Excellent. So the next question actually hits on a similar theme, asking about uh, if we have data on product manufacturing levels in the U.S. Uh, Yes. The easy answer is we have a lot of data on many different product manufacturing levels. I'm not sure exactly what this um, question would be asking specifically, but generally manufacturing in the U.S. is strong. Um, We are, are due for all-time high levels, there, there is a lot of life in the U.S. manufacturing sector. Um, it's really a probably my favorite myth to debunk is that U.S. manufacturing is dead. It is not, we have a lot of data on those actual levels. Um, please give us a message or, or check out Trends Report On Demand or the app for the specifics.
0: Next question comes from David. David asks, are we concerned uh, about rising oil prices, 21 and 22 projections? Now, we are not concerned about it. Uh, I just wrote a blog, and I'm not sure when the blog will be on our website, so just check in a few days, maybe a week, for a a blog that I wrote. It says from the president's desk, and it's titled, Will It Hurt? And it's talking about oil price rise, and we're going to see more rise uh, from what we we talked about this in the webinar. But uh, to answer your question, we're only going to see people that are in that industry uh, see more of the pain than anybody else. Oil price rise in and of itself means gasoline prices will go up, diesel prices will go up, heating oil prices will go up, but transportation costs and heating oil are small parts of the consumer budget. So uh, the the lower quartile, even lower quintile are gonna feel more pain than anybody else and that's very unfortunate and there's also no way around it. But that's the concern. Now, if production starts to go down like it did in 2015, uh, which is not what we're forecasting, this is a large part of industrial production. So it would provide more downward pressure on industrial production than we're currently anticipating. But our forecast calls for uh, more stability than anything else. And stability means the rest of the economy keeps growing. So if you, uh, David, are selling into oil and gas extraction, uh, you're not gonna like it, you will feel hurt, Uh, and some pain, but for the rest of us, it just means that oil prices are going up and we're gonna be annoyed. Next question from Ken, Uh, in an earlier seminar, we predicted significant inflation through the 20s and then we hit the wall in 2029. Are you still saying that? Uh, Well, what we have been saying and continue to say is that the significant inflation is in the latter half of the 20s. Uh, Since we wrote the book, the 2014 prosperity in the age of decline on this subject and how to do well as we prepare for the Great Depression. Uh, it's always been a slow buildup. So when you say significant, I think second half of the year. And uh, it's going to continue to push up interest rates. It's going to continue to cause some new ways of thinking, doing business for a lot of folks who have never seen inflation before. It's going to be a challenge for a lot of people, uh, but it's nothing that should take your business offline if you're prepared for it. Uh, there are different ways to get prepared for it, one of which is to make sure you have a pricing policy that's able to deal with uh, raising prices because of increased benefits and value add, and making sure that your production costs are contained through efficiency gains every time you turn around. The timing uh, hit the wall in 2029. We just had a, a discussion on that internally here not an hour ago. And we were talking about how we say 2030 but be ready by 29. And the reality is, you know, we'll let you know if it's going to come in 29. So you need to be ready by 28. You just stay tuned into ITR and uh, we'll, we'll make sure we do our best to protect you so that you, your business, your family uh, can get the fruits of what's coming and not be surprised by that cliff.
1: Excellent. And the last question is the home office, a consistent reality for the future uh, for the long term? Well, millennials move to the other concept of uh, big houses in the interior is that definitive? Honestly, that is, uh, I would say, too soon to tell. We are economists. We are, are not trendy people and certainly would never want to predict societal trends and shifts like this. It seems like the Home Office is, um, certainly it had been gaining traction before the pandemic. If anything, this shift to remote work over the pandemic just accelerated that uh, both the trend as well as the acceptance. Um, a lot of Folks who never would have considered um, doing work remotely are, are now seeing how possible that, um, that subject is and, and also how much money they can save. I've been having conversations with clients that say, I used to need to send an engineer on site. It was a day of travel, a day there, a day of travel back. Now that same engineer can be in the office, maybe using scans or or what have you, and do five in a day rather than one office in three days. So there are a lot of um, cost gains, not just the travel itself, but um, a a lot of efficiency and cost advantages of doing things remotely. I don't think that will ever reverse, but maybe we'll be back in the office uh, a bit more than we were in, in 2020, certainly it seems to be the trend. As for millennials, um, you know, they're easy to hate on, but I will say millennials are finally growing up. They're having families now. They're doing all of these things that previous generations have done that we just never thought the millennials would do. So they're finally buying houses. Um, we're seeing some shift out of the cities. Again, it's a bit too soon to say without more concrete data, but maybe we can shift all of those. This generation will not be like the others to the Gen Z years now. I think it's their turn.
0: <laughs> it is indeed their turn. And, you know, I, I like uh, the question because it speaks to uh, the fact that uh, there's nothing so constant as change. There is a lot of change going on and to Lauren's point. We can't tell you the extent to which that pendulum will swing. It certainly is moving. And you know, millennials are the largest uh, home buying, first home buying group, which you would expect given their age. And uh, they're buying homes like their gen. Uh, previous generation did the Xers and uh, like boomers did. So they are buying homes. Where are they gonna choose to live? Uh, We'll find out. Uh, There's a slow movement. We'll see if that continues. I was talking to a mortgage broker here in New Hampshire and he said that 35% of the mortgages he's writing comes from out-of-staters coming to New Hampshire to get away. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if that continues. Uh, It has serious implications on our little state, if that continues, Uh, and it's a trend we do want to watch. Interesting future ahead of us. Uh, Thank you for the questions, and and, uh, Lauren, any closing comments? You close us up today. I did the webinar, so it's your turn today.
1: (laughs) I would say thank you all for joining us. Please do keep in touch. Um, We will be shouting it from the rooftops as we see these trends develop as we see that next inflection point come into focus. So please stick with us through the cycle. Have a good day, everyone.